Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is going to be our new theme music. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, hello. And today we are talking about 2019 Judy. Why are we watching... (laughs) It's not funny. Judy. (laughs) Why are we watching... Why are we talking about Judy? Because we're now with... Because Renelle Zellweger, we're totally adding this. Because Renee Zellweger won Best Actress for her role and also the Golden Globe and every other conceivable award this season. Judy was a movie that didn't do very well. It more or less bombed at the box office and was kind of buried. And then Renee Zellweger's performance clawed its way to the top of the heap among the detritus and just stole the show everywhere. Detritus, meaning you felt like the other performances weren't worth it? No, that's not true. I was looking for imagery. You're trying to be visual? Yeah. It was just sort of cast away and forgotten and didn't receive a whole lot of fanfare. Uh, We watched it on Amazon Prime. I watched it on Amazon after the fact and because of the win. Because the movie didn't receive a lot of attention, uh, except I heard pretty early on uh, about Renee Zellweger's performance. It debuted at Telluride at the film festival, and it was immediate, immediately caught on because of her acting, but the movie itself obviously never took off, and we'll discuss why that is. So you felt like Renee's performance was the cream that rose to the top over Cynthia, Scarlett, Sersha, and Charlize? I thought Renee Zellweger's performance definitely stood out. I think it was a very obvious performance, a very obvious good performance, mostly because she was in full frame, super close up, with all the wrinkles and flaws in, in a lot of this movie. She was very front and center. And I feel like the rest of the movie is a scaffolding around her. So it was a more obvious leading lady part. I did hear Cynthia Erivo sing at the Oscars. And despite that being a sucky song, she killed that performance. I was like, holy cow. Dude, she like hit her mark, stayed there, owned it, and killed it. Yep. I can't. I couldn't remember a more striking Oscar performance of a nominated song since, I guess, Jennifer Hudson for Dreamgirls? Who else has that kind of talent where she was nominated for Best Actress and kills a song live on the broadcast like that? Well, Billie Eilish kind of stole the show a little bit. Yeah, I was more focused on the In Memoriam stuff. Oh, what about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper? No comment. Anyway, um, she is great in The Outsider, a totally different role. She's, she seems like she's got a ton of range. Anyway. Not that Renee Zellweger doesn't. 
Yeah, she took a long time, maybe seven years off of acting after, at around 2010 and came back with the Bridget Jones baby movie. Right. But I think she, she also was, came back looking completely different and claims that we just don't remember what she looks like. And that may be the truth because she looked like the Renee Zellweger of old uh, on on the stage at the award ceremonies this year. But that one appearance, maybe it was makeup or something. Maybe there was something weird with her eyebrows, but she looked markedly different. And I don't think that look, whatever it was, stuck. But she was doing it to promote Bridget Jones. And when she appeared again, uh, when she was in that movie, um, you know, she looked to her age or whatever, uh, that we hadn't seen her in a little bit. So she had changed a little bit in that way. But it wasn't anything like, whoa, what happened to Bridget Jones? We should, uh, you know, address this whole plastic surgery thing or whatever. Mm. So I don't know. Whatever it was, it doesn't appear to have stuck. Maybe it was a hideous Botox job or something. I think they aged her a little bit for the Judy role. I, I would hope so, because she was definitely, and, on, and honestly, she wasn't aged as much as Judy Garland appeared aged from all the archival footage I saw. I couldn't believe that Judy Garland died at 47. She seemed way older than that. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem, that her, you know, the drugs and the addiction and stuff really ages you, and the alcohol. Yeah, and the malnourishment. Yeah. I thought that Renee Zellweger was looking rather waifish at the Academy Awards. I mean, she was wearing this bright, beautiful white dress and still looked like stick thin. Did you see how yoked her arms were? She looked like Linda Hamilton out of Terminator 2. You know who's got the best arms? No. Michelle Obama. I guess. What she, about Beyonce? Beyonce's got the best everything. Okay. She was kind of yoked, but she was also kind of stringy. Yeah, so definitely people commented about it. But she was thin for the Judy Garland role. As a matter of fact, I was wondering, how, does Julie, how did Judy Garland, to the end of her life, stay so thin? She was obviously still reeling and still feeling the after effects of, of having her eating suppressed and, and all the pills and stuff. Right. But you would think that she would chunk out after she was not under the yoke of you know the studios or whatever trying to make a buck off of her. And she was still super thin. Yeah. Um, someone said that her weight fluctuated pretty rapidly. You know, she would go in and out of, uh, of, of weight gain and, and come back around. But still that kind of self-control is, is something. Yeah, well, it seemed like it was so ingrained in her that she couldn't even, she had to make a conscious effort to have a bite of cake. Yeah. So we started on the young Judy Garland in Judy and on the set of Wizard of Oz, right? right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that young girl looked really did you get a dorothy vibe from her mm, i got more of a ethnic -y something so whatever the case she didn't immediately strike me as judy garland there was one moment where she said something and her phrasing and tone of voice hit me and i was like oh that was good for a second but generally speaking if you had said who does this look like it wouldn't have been judy garland but we deliberately started with judy on the set of wizard of oz darcy we, shaw is her name and we interposed that with Judy in older life, and we kept coming back to the, uh, the the flashback, and that's a device that generally has a purpose, or they don't bother. Recently, I remember Saving Mr. Banks, where we find out why P.L. Travers is the way she is. So we flash back to the trauma that she, that she experienced uh, watching her father uh, succumb to his alcoholism. But when they do that, there's usually a reason. And I was trying to figure out what the reason was, aside from her facing off with Harvey Weinstein, you know, and trying to get the role of, uh, of Dorothy. Harvey Weinstein? Whatever. Louis B. Mayer, he's basically Harvey Weinstein, right? Oh, well, yeah. Us going back and forth 
I was trying to figure out what purpose that served other than to set up why she was uh, so troubled and why she had problems with the pills and what ultimately led to her death. It was necessary to root it in The Wizard of Oz. For context, for anybody who maybe came into this movie blindly, and also because they don't talk about Wizard of Oz or she doesn't sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow until the very end of the film. Right. I agree with you that it was necessary. Like it or not, most of our references for Julie, Judy Garland, most of our associations of her are with The Wizard of Oz. But as a kid, she was sort of feisty, right? She would grab the hamburger away from Mickey Rooney and take a giant bite. And she would take off her clothes and jump into the tank when she wasn't supposed to swim and not get her hair wet. You know, she was like acting out yeah. in a way that kind of gave me hope for who she would become. Mm. Look, she's in a tough situation, but she's a feisty girl and she's going to fight. And she's got, uh, you know, a really expressive person bottled up under the surface that's just aching to come out. And then it never does. She was under the thumb of MGM and made The Wizard of Oz and it affected her for her whole life. But that kid kind of gave me hope that the Judy Garland from The Wizard of Oz would grow up to be something of a fighter. And while Judy Garland certainly did a lot, um, you know, to try to cope with this level of fame, uh, she ultimately didn't make it. Maybe that hope was necessary for you to stick with the story, which was otherwise very bleak and very tragic. Yeah. And so I feel like there's a problem there in that the movie was pretty close and unflinching is what all the reviewers would say. Her performance? Both. We were all up in her face. And when she's getting booed off stage, there's nowhere to cut away to. We, we see every, every flash of pain cross her face and it's heartbreaking to watch and we can't look away. And the camera certainly doesn't look away. Hmm. Right? But I feel like setting it up that way, maybe it was, maybe it lent more of an impact to a girl who had some hope and who had a, sen a sense of identity was ultimately stripped away and that makes it all the more sad. Right. Like she was so squashed by the time we get to her in present, the present day of the story. Well, you knew that this, there wasn't going to be a happy ending. No, I didn't know exactly the circumstances of her death. I knew that she overdosed. I didn't know how close it was to the time at which she was being portrayed. Um, I felt like this movie had sort of a dreamy quality in that the times kind of blending together didn't seem to matter as much. Right. How long exactly she was in London, how long she was away from her kids, right. uh, what her association with Mickey was and, and uh, Mickey Rooney and the other Mickey that she later, later married, who they were as, as a couple was a little bit uh, unclear. Yeah. And I felt like that was all just sort of us uh, shoulder to shoulder with Judy kind of stumbling through her life and trying to make the best of things happening. We didn't have a clear sense because I don't think she had a clear sense. She didn't know where she was a lot of the time. Yeah. And that was very sad. So I might be attributing too many of the movie's flaws uh, to intentional you know, ideas of how to, how to tell a story from Judy Garland's perspective. Right. Maybe it wasn't a great movie. But honestly, watching it after the fact, and I, we know that she won for Best Actress and otherwise received, the movie didn't really receive any accolades, um, it seemed as typical an Oscar baity kind of movie as anything. It just, she was so front and center that maybe everything else was overlooked. I didn't feel like it was a bad movie. Well, the movie was just Renee Zellweger, really. Right. 
This wasn't a passion project for her. It was not? No, she hadn't been chasing it for years. She worked really hard. My understanding is she worked with a vocal coach for like a year. Was that to her tone. Let's get to that. Um, this movie was brought to her, and she said she didn't understand at the time why they thought the, the whoever brought it to her thought she would be a good fit. But she decided to go with it and went with it and worked really hard. So, Yeah, she was saying in her red carpet conversation about the film, saying that she went down the YouTube rabbit hole, found any archival that she could, and incorporated that into her performance. Yeah, it's a weird day and age, right, where award-winning actors and actresses will watch YouTube the same way we do to kind of get a vibe for the for people that they're going to embody for the next, you know, however many months or years. So when I watched the movie, we obviously see her first performance with all its uh, flaws and ticks. And then later on, somewhere in the middle, there was another song that she sings, and it was obviously lip syncing. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because just the way that movies work, it's much too complicated. You have to be able to cut away and, and change angles and things. Sure. Uh, they can record the song, and then the artist lip syncs the song that they sung in a much more controlled environment. Right. But that first song, I was like, I think she did that one live. And definitely, she told Jimmy Kimmel that she performed all the songs live, but it was just dubbed later, you yeah. know? But she actually sang them to the audience, but that first song in London was her singing, and it was her voice in scene. Really? With a live band. I watched it again. We had an angle from her in the back, looking at the audience, and then at the very end, we cut to her sort of flourishy finish, from behind again, where we see the audience applauding and she's basked, basking in the, in the spotlight. Huh. But in between those, we cut to a close on her face. It's a jib shot. And the whole thing is in focus as much as it possibly can be. And she sang that song. So the achievement here is that Renee Zellweger played a different person in front of a crowd, singing a song live in front of a crowd in a single take in another person's voice. It was extraordinary. All a single unbroken take, so it can't be argued with. The nuances and the timing were just a little bit off as Judy Garland was kind of later in her life. Her performances weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. People loved her for her, but you know, she was a little bit flat some of the time. But hitting all those notes, it's, it's, it would have been much harder for Renee Zellweger to pull off that scene 10 times harder than maybe for Judy Garland to pull off that scene. She just sang and was who she was with all her flaws, take it or leave it. Renee Zellweger had to emulate those flaws and those ticks in a performance and do it all live, and she did it masterfully. Hmm. I think that one thing alone really solidified the performance in my mind. Kind of like Anne Hathaway's 10 minutes uncut on screen got her an Academy Award. That for Les Miserables? Yeah also really hard to watch and she really really went for it sad uh, again not perfect uh, in terms of her singing ability but really raw and and yeah and impressive maybe that's the key single take sad singing shots get you an award and definitely the key is talent she worked really hard didn't take it lightly and didn't have a problem with the camera being in her face pretty much the whole movie where there was nothing for her or Judy Garland to hide behind well, obviously, Renee Zellweger has a very distinct quality of voice. And I heard that quality come through in some of her singing, which tipped me off that it was actually her, which definitely did impress me. But there were definitely times in the movie, too, where I was wondering, 
where I was thinking like, God, like Judy Garland isn't that great a singer. It was pretty spot on. I mean, I, Renee Zellweger took this role and made it her own. She wasn't doing a dead on impression, but the sort of just shy of being on the right, on, you know, on the note, just a, just a touch flat. And that sort of weird vibrato she does was pretty, pretty solid. Really? Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, so I've played the Somewhere Over the Rainbow clip for Paloma dozens of times and really had an opportunity to kind of analyze her performance, which is also single, almost single take and live in The Wizard of Oz. And her voice is incredible. And I was wondering if they were trying to sell, send the message in, the, in Judy the movie that she lost it as she got older because I mean I if if that was representative of Judy Garland's later in life performances then it it seems to me that people loved her because of her but not because she was a particularly extraordinary singing talent well that's what Louis B Mayer said to her to the to the character was that there are other girls that are prettier have a slimmer bridge on the nose or whatever or aren't you know from bumpkin towns or whatever but you have what none of those girls have do you know what that is and she said no and he said you have the voice right and and as a little girl at 15 years old crystal clear and 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 really beautiful little girl and it's hard to imagine that anything could sustain like that into her 40s it must be terrible for child celebrities or child stars to grow up and try to and be associated with that role for their entire lives, never be able to sort of age gracefully, because they'll never measure up to those standards. Right. I want to talk more about Renee Zellweger's performance, but first I want to talk a little bit more macro about the film. Was Judy a biopic? Well, yeah, of course. It was a biographical picture about Judy Garland. It was based on a play called uh, The End of the Rainbow. And the end of the rainbow was a bit more fantastic. It had some more fantastical elements. It was sort of uh, stylized, maybe like Rocket Man. But they were going for a more practical, real sense in this movie. And they were striking some of the more fantastic elements in favor of a more realistic portrayal. I feel like biopics typically try to cover too much of a person's life. And they start with the wide-eyed, fresh-faced, artist who has something really special to give and then they follow them in their rise and then their inevitable fall and then they return to some kind of humanity if they're lucky enough to survive that fall. And this film starts with a pretty already tore up Judy Garland and documents that struggle through this basically what is like the final chapter of her life. And I kind of appreciated that, that they had the, I mean, I guess it was based on this play or whatever, but they had the restraint to kind of let this chapter in her life be the chapter that they focus on. I like that too. Um, I think to your point earlier that going back to Wizard of Oz was essential. We needed to see how that informed her life because really that was a pivotal moment in her life. It defined her for uh, the entire public and... It defined like cinema. Yeah, and, and it was really the start of her sort of descent. But wasn't you know? it kind of a bummer too to see like the greatest movie ever made colored in this sad backstory? Too soon? Because dude, that was like 90 years ago. 
but it's still like beloved. Yeah, I like that movie. We grew up on that movie. For, for a thousand years, uh, Turner would play that movie once a year and we would always line up for it. And then we had VCRs. I still have a DVD copy of that movie somewhere. So it didn't bum you out to like know that this was the sad reality behind it? In the same way that uh, Saving Mr. Banks might have pulled back the curtain on the un otherwise wondrous and flawless Mary Poppins, um, if I had been younger, this might not have been the right movie. I don't think this is, you know, a movie for kids, but it was kind of a bummer, especially when, uh, when Weinstein slash Mayer was being all, all gross on the set of a movie that's been beloved for like a hundred years. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that it was necessary to go back to Oz and see the young Judy Garland as we knew her, I guess, in a sense, and then go back to the older Judy at the end of her life. It was kind of the bookends of her life. And when they play the younger version of an actor uh, in movies, I can get behind that for the most part. What I don't like is seeing new people step in for uh, every quarter of the movie, and we have four different actors portraying the same role, mm. because I want to settle in and identify with a person and sort of connect to them. You know what I mean? And not be, not be considering like how they look differently or how they act differently. Right. So I think Claire Foy did a great job as the queen in, in, the, in uh, the crown, and having her replaced, I haven't seen the Olivia Colman stuff yet, but to know that they've already cast the queen later in life, as much as I like all these actresses, it's hard for me to kind of, because I was pretty much invested in the Claire Foy's The Queen. Does Olivia Colman play anything other than queens? I don't know. We'll see. But mostly, I didn't particularly like the portrayal of the young Judy Garland. Uh, I also didn't like the way it was stylized, where it was sort of obvious and like they were talking and, and nothing else. Uh, when they were first talking, it was just them in a black void, and then it pulls back and they're in a barn or something uh, on the yellow brick road. And likewise, uh, when she's on the set and then she dives into the water, the entire set blo uh, blacks out. She's underwater. We've got a light on her. She's smiling, and she takes a, like a gaspy <gasps> breath of freedom thing underwater. Kelly was like, that was a breathing sound. And I was like, yeah, it's a stylistic thing. Didn't <laughs> like the way it was done. But uh, all of the Renee Zellweger stuff was solid. Yeah, well, I think that we have a very, we know what Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz was like. And so I think we are, we're a little bit more critical of the young Judy Darcy Shaw performance. Whereas Judy later in life, I wasn't familiar with almost at all. So I was willing to take whatever Renee Zellweger gave to me as truth. And apparently it was very closely aligned with truth and her research on Judy Garland's you know, um, performances and appearances when she was in her late 40s. But Judy, but her, so her performance overall struck me as very palsied. Like she had all these tics and I don't know if it was like her medical condition, but she like could never, she was always fidgeting, she couldn't sit still. It was kind of painful to watch. Yeah, I think it was pretty spot on. I think that as much as people loved Judy Garland, the legend, when you actually got in front of her, had to, to deal with her, apparently she was pretty notoriously difficult and was booed off stage, which was hard for me to believe was true, but it was true. She was booed off stage because she was sort of unlikable. She was having a hard time and it showed and people wanted Dorothy, you know, must be terrible. So. Uh, Liza Minnelli had said, she was rather outspoken, she said, look, I've never met Renee Zellweger, I've never spoken to her, and I do not endorse this movie uh, in any way. Judy Garland's younger daughter, as portrayed in the movie, has said that she has no plans on seeing this movie. It's got to be a combination of 
hard to watch the things that her mother went through on screen, especially dramatized. But also they were afraid because, you know, she didn't really die very gracefully, worried about how her mother's addiction and overdose would be handled. But I think that Renee Zellweger played it true. I think she played it not dispassionately, but she portrayed it accurately as all those videos that I've seen, a lot of the same videos that she must have watched about Judy Garland later in life. Uh, there's nothing that she's embellishing. It's all pretty true to form, from what I can tell. We don't know what she was like behind closed doors, but I think the Mickey character was treated, you know, pretty respectfully. It went, they had their issues or whatever, and uh, but he seemed like a nice guy, whereas her family in real life had a real problem uh, with his motivations. They, they worried that he was just an opportunist because he was younger than her. But what that leads me to is this idea that R Renee Zellweger has spoken about Judy Garland and the person that she was, that she was trying to portray with a kind of reverence and respect that I think nobody expected in this movie. They thought that Judy Garland would be a train wreck and that they would play it up, but she was really treated pretty well. I thought they handled her as delicately and respectfully as they could, given the actual facts of what happened to her. Yeah. Like the, her handler and the band leader were very gracious when they were essentially letting her go. Right. Canceling her London appearances. Um, you know, Mickey had a blow up. By the way, is he like such a young Josh Brolin or whatever? J young Josh Brolin, like Goonies era. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they had a blow up or whatever, but you know, he wasn't like, he didn't appear to be abusive and their disagreement was not surprising at all given the circumstances of their marriage. Like, how kind of, I mean, she was as a, opportunistic with him as he was perhaps with her. Yeah. But there wasn't, so yeah, I agree. I agree they treated, the people around her treated her very respectfully, but I think what you're saying is that her performance itself of Judy Garland was respectful. She wasn't sloppy. She was... She wasn't, so you know, it's like when people play drunk and like people playing drunk who are like sloppy and all over the place are actually doing it wrong because right. when you're drunk, you're trying, actively trying not to appear drunk. Right. Like that was kind of the, the nature of her appearance where she wasn't trying to be a mess. She was someone who was very messy, who was trying to keep it together. Right. Where it was comical, like she was, she wasn't a loud, brash sort of drunk where she was fighting back she was hurt by it right and when she hits the floor on the stage you really feel bad for her i wasn't like oh there you know man she like really threw herself into that performance and she was just a train wreck right when she fell down you're kind of horrified because it was treated with such respect that said i think that might be the reason kind of the movie was received the way it was maybe it was a little bit too kid gloves we didn't get very deep most of it was reading her face but this movie wasn't dark. You know, it wasn't intentionally dark. It wasn't heavily dramatized. It wasn't salacious. In fact, um, her and Mickey didn't kiss until after they were married. Right. I was like, what was their courtship? It was like stacking beer, beer, beer cans on the dude and like chatting till dawn. And then all of a sudden they were married. Yeah. It just didn't go there, you know. And so I think that maybe it was kind of fuzzy and glossy, uh, ultimately with a doomed, uh, with a doomed subject. Yeah. Very tragic. So ultimately then, what is your rating? It was an all right movie. I didn't hate anything about it. I didn't have any real qualms. It was just kind of a soft, you know, soft touch sort of movie. But obviously Renee Zellweger stands out in a big way.
yeah. w- without this movie. If she were a secondary character or whatever, it, this movie wouldn't have made it the way it did. She carries the whole thing. But it makes it tough for me. I think it was um, kind of a boring movie. I, I agree with you. There was nothing that I hated about it. And her perform- performance is quite stellar. It's so basically, she ha- it's a fan- it's a, it really is a wonderful performance. And you can tell that um, Renee Zellweger really threw herself into it. It's a, great, it's a great performance in kind of a really, I think the movie doesn't work because it's just kind of a bummer. It wouldn't, her performance alone, as great as it was, wouldn't be enough to push this into like a total recommendation category. This is an all right movie with a stellar performance that really puts it toward, you know, that, des- that deserves recognition, which is, I think is how it was received. It's difficult. We're not reviewing this movie in a vacuum. This, this review is reactionary. Because of the win. Because of the win and the attention that the win brings, uh, and not having seen it for the first time as others might have at Telluride with no concept of the performance. Yeah. And I'm glad that I saw it, and I'm glad that Renee Zellweger is back. Yep. So I guess... (laughs) It's nice to see people that return, like Rick Moranis is now back for another Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like, literally, he's, like, back from death. Yeah, and as long, but as long as we got that dude back, let's put him in Ghostbusters, right? And he's got his little place. But no one is like, you know who is a talent that I miss is Rick Moranis. It's fine. He was funny, and he has his place. Renee Zellweger has to earn sort of her place in movies if she's going to be around for awards and things like that. And I think Judy is a remarkable comeback. Not that, to say that she had fallen out of favor. Right. She just, but she, when she came back, she reminded us all of why she's an Oscar winner already for Cold Mountain, been nominated a couple of times, and now she's back, and it's totally justified. Yeah. Happy to see her. Yeah, me too. So that's our discussion about Judy. I'm glad that her Renee Zellweger's A Win prompted us to not only watch but review this. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anything you'd like to share with us about Judy or otherwise, please give us a call, 818-835-0473. Leave us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to bring up your comments on our podcast. Or you can email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. And that's it for Judy. Thanks for listening. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and live in a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.